Now it's time to talk about everything dogs, cats, and other domestic animals. This is Animal Talk. Here's Dr. Dan Lang on the Big 550 KTRS. Welcome back to Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS with Dr. Dan Lang. I'm Connor McCarthy here with you back at the normal time. Last week was the late slots due to the Mizzou basketball game. Today, back at the normal slot, 2 p.m., Dr. Lang. So you'll have plenty of time after the show to do all your chores. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but that's the way it is sometimes. <laughs> well, all last week was, was you had to do the chores before you came that's in. Right. So now you get a little, you can break the day up a little bit more. <laughs> uh, it's a nice December day out there, a little cold. Actually, it's, actually, it's warmed up the, the last few days. It was cold for a bit, but now it's uh, looking pretty nice out there. So you should uh, have plenty of good weather for everything you need to do outside. Uh I had a few things I wanted to talk about, but when I came in, uh, the text line was pulled up, and I think this text was not meant for us. I was thinking it was meant for the outdoors show, uh, Inside Out. But they're asking about poinsettias and whether or not they are dangerous for pets, Dr. Wang. Uh, they also ask for children. I don't know if children tend to eat them as well or stick them in their mouths. But we've talked about it last week. I'm sure you get asked this every year now. But just because we're near the holidays, what is the deal with poinsettias? For many years, we thought they were pretty deadly, toxic, poisonous. And now it's pretty much agreed that they may cause vomiting or diarrhea, just kind of upset the digestive tract. But, but it's not okay. It's not going to cause serious harm, right? That's correct. Uh, what, is in, what is in poinsettias? Do you know? Do, uh, what, what is it that causes this Problem. Good, good question. I may have to do another homework assignment, but I don't <laughs> know the answer to it's good some, question. It's something, right, that, that uh, causes dogs to get sick with it. Uh, but that's the extent, right? You're not, do you yep. get dogs brought in uh, from eating poinsettias to the hospital? I bet there are some cases where pets come in, vomiting or diarrhea. It was maybe due to the poinsettia, but, you know, people didn't realize that they just brought it in because of the mm-hmm. issues going on. Mm-hmm. But I'm not aware of a case where they saw the pet eat or chew on the poinsettia and then I had issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, is it just dogs or will dogs and cats both get sick from it? I know, was it lilies that it, for cats that is a serious problem? That's that's exactly right. You're pointing at me. I, yep. I tell you, I learn I, I, I learn <laughs> some things from you. Uh, it's So some flowers for cats are big problems, right? On my book, I've been starting to work on that, but I know because I've had a few cases, lilies will for cats will their kidneys they can go into kidney failure potentially die if they need eat mm-hmm. or ingest enough of the lilies so that's a serious mm-hmm. problem with the cats yeah. Yeah. poinsettias it, uh, i think it's the same whether you yeah. have two legs or four legs or you have a lot of hair or you purr or whatever i think it's pretty it's much just the gonna same. make you sick yeah. just yeah. make you sick okay uh well so if that text are still listening I, I believe that show airs yesterday so i don't think they were uh maybe it got sent in late uh or didn't send it first it got sent in now uh, if you're listening out there, know that it, it can cause some illnesses, but it's not that serious. Uh, so you can keep them in the house without too much of a problem. And that that's from the text line. If you want to text in 84126, that's how you do it. We're here answering the questions that you might have about anything. Poinsettias, uh, dogs, cats, pets in general, we'll do our best to answer them. And probably Dr. Lang will be doing most of the answering. I'll just be... <laughs> Saying hello and putting you on with him because I don't really I'm not the expert but but he is uh, also the phone lines are open three one four nine three one five eight seven seven if you want to call in 
taking calls as well. Now, I wanted to open the show. I, I know you listen sometimes, Dr. Lang, during the week, but I don't know if you were listening to this. We had a topic come up about wobbler syndrome. I didn't um, hear that, but I'm familiar with it. Okay. We, it came up. I think we had a texter texting about it, something about, yeah, I think we were talking about pets, and they said their dog got wobbler syndrome. So that is what I wanted to talk about. What is it? We didn't know what it was. Uh, you can Google it a little bit, and you can see some, some cursory information about it. But what is wobbler syndrome? It's essentially a neurologic defect that occurs in the neck area of the spinal cord. Mm -hmm. And so it affects the nerves, potentially to all four legs. And so the pets are pretty wobbly. And, you know, where the name comes from, very disoriented. But primarily they have a difficulty walking, walking. around. Yeah, that's so, so is it a spine problem? Is it, it is. A, okay. It is. So is there something going on with the spine? And it causes problems. Is that that's the symptoms? Yeah, do they walk? Is it just walking weird? Does it cause more serious issues? Well, because it's in the neck area, it's not really going to affect the brain, so we don't have too much problem with the change in personality or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But if it's in front of the front legs, the lesion, the area that's affected, usually just affects all four legs. So getting around is the main. And that's what I think they said. It's it's it affected their walking. It affected that. But is that the extent of it? They're going to maybe be a little less mobile. Maybe their their walk is a little off or a little funny. But is that it? Or will they eventually become uh, immobile? If there's enough pressure on the spinal cord, and we have had some cases where they're completely immobile, mm -hmm. uh, there is a surgery. We could send you to the university or a, a neurologist and have that done. But um, I think most people opt for euthanasia. If it comes to the mm -hmm. point where the pet can't really get around or If it gets at all. to that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Why do they call it wobbler syndrome? Is there not a more serious name for that or a more, uh, I guess, a more medical name for that is what I mean? There is, and I'm just going blank right now. If somebody knows, they can call <laughs> if in. If somebody but, knows, um, uh, if, there's a, if there's a vet out there, you could uh, you feel free to let us know. Uh, is that what you is that what you guys called it though? You know, you're in vet school and they they say, all right, we're, this week we're learning about wobbler syndrome, or do they say, you know, this week we're learning about spine contusion, uh, you know, whatever. Most of the time, like for an hour lecture, they'll just kind of say some of the nerve issues that occur, like in the neck area. Okay. And the wobblers would be listed on that. Okay. Uh, how common is this? How common is it's this? Not very common. Maybe one or two cases a year, but we don't see it very often. And and I I know it's Dobermans, and I'm trying to think if it was Rottweilers as well. So it's, big, be it's bigger dogs. So, right. And I because it's more in a certain few species of dogs or breeds of dogs, I I think there is some genetic. There's some there's something genetic with that. defect or okay. deformity that goes uh, with it. Unlike a lot of dogs we see have herniated disc. There's disc material at the end of each vertebra on the spinal cord, and like people, sometimes that herniates. And puts pressure on the spinal cord, and they start having issues. But that's more, well, it can be genetic as well, but a lot of the times it's due to trauma or older age. Okay, so this is a genetic problem that yep. comes about then. It so is. You, you know, you're not going to fall, you know, take a wrong step down the step, and your dog has, yep. he's going to get this. It's more of it's a genetic not, problem. That's correct. Okay. Uh, well, that's good to know. We had a lot of questions about Wobbler syndrome came in, and we couldn't answer a thing, Dr. Lang. So <laughs> hopefully they're still listening. And hopefully they've gotten their answer. We had another text come in. Uh, this one back to 
leaving things out or food or plants. And they're, they're asking about holly leaves and holly berries, Dr. Lang. Is that a common problem for pets? I have not seen cases with that. I, I'm sure it's, of course, worse this time of year. Mm-hmm. But, again, I think it's more gastrointestinal, the vomiting, diarrhea mm-hmm. type issue. I, I don't remember a specific toxin causing anything more than, than that. Okay. Is there a is there something that we leave out maybe? You know, I mentioned the lilies, but is there something that, you know, you see people bring out and they just have no idea that, you know, that's really toxic to the to the pets out there, you know, but it really shouldn't if you have any pets in the home. Not very often. A lot of times it's more plants outside. Maybe you plant a garden or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but most house plants are pretty safe just because they know that there are children that may or a baby may chew on it, that sure. type of thing. So sure. they're probably extra precautions taken for in-house plants, but not so much for when you're gardening and have a variety of plants outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So uh, hopefully, if you know, if you're if you're thinking about getting anything decorative in the house, you should know that. You know, I don't think you're saying go ahead and let them eat it. You know, go ahead and give them some hollies or give them some poinsettias. But you're saying not to worry about it. Correct. It's just it's there. You can do it if you want. Don't worry that there's something serious that's going to happen. And sometimes cats and dogs you may chew on it, but they're probably not going to engulf or eat much of the plants. So, mm. so that so wouldn't, that wouldn't necessarily likely. be the same problem. Right. Okay. Uh, all right. I had a little thing here. I read a story during the week and this might be you know i'm springing this on you so this might be something where you got to go do a little homework Not another one yeah do a little homework <laughs> but it was about a early uh fda testing for this uh drug for large breed dogs which is intending to i, I guess they're trying to target a gene that you know f- well they believe shortens their lifespan something with the growth hormone that they believe shortens it and it's uh, it's in this early testing stage, and I know you can't certainly answer anything about this experimental drug, but what I found interesting was is that the FDA is who they clear this with. I, I guess I didn't realize that that was who handles medications for, for pets. They do. Uh, yes. Is it as rigorous as it is for the, the, the human medical side, Dr. Lang, or is it? I, I'd say probably not as rigorous as for humans, but I, I mm-hmm. think there's a fair amount of testing that the drug companies have to go to prove, first of all, that it is effective drug instead of paying for an expensive drug that doesn't do anything. Sure. And then how much of the drug can you get that would cause problems or poison the animal? Mm-hmm. So there are, there are certain restrictions, but they probably don't have to do as much testing as they do with uh, with mm-hmm. humans. But there uh, are certain I, parameters they have to do. I have down who is doing it and what they're specifically doing. So that may be something for you to research during uh, the week here. Dr. Lang, I'm giving you a little homework, uh, and I'll give it to you after the show. Okay. Uh, all right, we have a caller on the line. Uh, go ahead on line one. You're on the Big 550. Hello? You there? Anyone? Uh, caller? Caller number one. Hi. Are you there? We're here. I was wondering if you could tell me how bad chocolate is for dogs to eat and how much will make them sick. Well, I know who you are, so I'm going to be a little sarcastic. (laughs) Uh, Chocolate is the main poisoning that we see, and I read just a few days ago that for every 
40 pounds of body weight, a pound of chocolate, and this is milk chocolate, which is not as bad as the dark chocolate, but uh, if a dog medium size would eat a, a pound of milk chocolate, then it could have some serious signs. It needs to be more nerve issues like seizures, walking funny, and potentially fatal type things. And probably at Pickleball, you've not heard my jokes as much, which is okay, but I try to eat the chocolate as quick as possible in my house, and you might want to talk to your husband about that as well. Okay. Good answer. Um, I have another question. Can I? Do I get two questions? Well, there's a little penalty for it, but go ahead. Go. What made you decide you wanted to get into veterinarian care for your career? Well, the smart aleck, and it is partly true, is I tried to get into medical school and did not was not accepted. And then I was fortunate a year later I got both into veterinary medicine or physical therapy. I had to make a choice between that. And I just thought at the time physical therapists were regulated too much by the doctors and didn't, for their expertise didn't have a lot of room to do what they wanted to do. And I just find it challenging with all the different animals there are. You know, one day a dog comes in, has mange or bad skin problem, and the next day there may be a dog that has a broken bone. And sometimes we have to either splint it or put a pin or rod in there. So I just like the change or the variety of challenges. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much for your answers. And it gives me a lot of good stories and jokes to tell as well. That's probably the most important why yeah. I got into veterinary medicine. I'm sure it does, yeah. We'll, we'll talk next Wednesday, okay? Okay. All right. Dan. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, and we actually had another caller. He called back in, I guess. Uh, go ahead. You're on the big 550. Caller number two. All right. I just want to ask, I, uh, we recently bought a uh, golden mini, uh, golden Aussie doodle. He's about six months old, and... He's been eating uh, Kleenex tissues. You know, I when I leave the room, if we forget a box out, we come back and he's got that box and he's eating them tissues, and we pull them out of his mouth, but sometimes he swallows one or two of them, and I'm, you know, he's, he's going to the bathroom okay. I don't, I don't see that there's any problem, but I just wanted to run it by you see what your thoughts were. I think that you're okay. Um, I, they don't really dissolve, but I think that the tissues – break down enough that they wouldn't clog up the digestive tract, for lack of a better word. Of course, are you talking both used tissues or ones, does the dog pull them out of the box that are still fresh, for lack of a better word? Is it both or more the used ones that the pet's going after? Boy, he, he loves them. He, I can't say which one he loves more. He loves okay. them both. <laughs> <laughs> what you might want to do is uh, get some Tabasco sauce or something and purposely leave it on the tissues or something negative. Or, of course, the easiest thing is just prevent the dog from getting to them. But sometimes if you give them something bad tasting with the tissue, they think twice about going after the tissues. And I think a lot of it at this age, they're still pretty inquisitive and dogs and, yep. you know, smell and taste stuff. That's how they learn. So that's a problem. But a long answer to your question, I do not see any problems that the tissue is going to cause a foreign body blockage or obstruction. Well, thank you. Sure, certainly appreciate the information. I, I I kind of figured that, but I just wanted to be sure. You know, we're new puppy owners, and I wouldn't want to lose him when he's six months old. But thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, thanks for calling in. And uh, the number for that as well, 314-931-5877. If you want to call in, uh, we're doing our best to answer all kinds of questions. Uh, 
the chocolate one, which you, I'm sure you, is that the most is that the question you get asked most about the most, Doctor Lang, as a vet? Well, we most of us I should speak for mm-hmm. myself, but most of us do have chocolate in the house. In the house, and so I have read a number of studies where the emergency clinics and the general practitioners like myself. That's the most common point yeah. for toxins. So it is a very common. So it runs, it, we, you know, we're taking all kinds. The most common question that uh, everyone asks or something specific about your dog that, you you know, you wanted to double check, like the last caller there, yep. with the tissues getting eaten. Uh, how common is that? Someone, uh, someone bringing in a dog because they got into something and they're worried about it or it's some kind of blockage now. Is that, is that, I feel like that would be common. Dogs are always getting into things. How yes. common is that? I'd say every two or three days we have to take an x-ray on a dog or a cat. So multiple times a week. So it's quite a bit. And most of the time it's just maybe they picked up a bug or the flu, for lack of a better word. It's rarely that. But this time of year, cats love the wrapping, and we do see a number of string-torn bodies. The intestines trying to push the string through, and then the intestines get all wrapped up. Oh. And that can be fatal because often it keeps moving and eventually breaks through the intestine, and then the intestinal fluids get into the abdomen called peritonitis. So, mm. so it cats can like be this, serious. So you have to be careful with the, the wrapping. So I don't do any wrapping, just the paper. Just it's the my paper. excuse for not doing the all the other stuff. Sure. Uh, if there is something bigger in there, how, what do you, is it surgery or do you wait to see if the, it can pass through on its own? What is the response there? It, it kind of depends on the object. I've done it both ways, but most of the time, if it's out of the stomach, the intestine is the most narrow part of the body, a digestive tract. And if it's in the intestine, it's not going to get all the way through most likely. Oh. So usually we go ahead and do surgery at that time. Okay. Uh, Are you it, okay if I tell my story here in a second? Well, I, I was going to segue okay. into it. I was going to ask <laughs> you first, what is the, you know, if is there anything, you know, maybe, you know, you get a little tissue paper or something, you know, that's common. You know, has there ever been something where you thought, you see on the x-ray, like, how did they get into that? How did they get that? And I know you brought a story. Yep. So you have the story, but I wanted to ask you as well, in your career, what was the thing that you've seen that was the most unexpected? I've seen a lot of toys. I wouldn't know. I mean, they're pretty good-sized toys, and mm-hmm. I don't know why the animal would, would go after it. We're talking so, like a toy train, uh, yeah, you know, something a, where, a, why would they even think yeah, to eat that? Yeah. You know, what are they getting Maybe out of Maybe it's this? shiny or something of that sort, but, they're, you know, in general, there's really no smell to it, so that, uh, mm-hmm. that is yeah. uh, I mean, the problem. Tennis balls, is that common? They're, you know, they're always chomping on that, or uh, yeah. the little chew toy, I, I've heard that, where they just kind of are chew, going at it, and they end up biting off a, a chunk, and it, it, they swallow it. For a, It still probably is, but for a while, the, the in thing was to get uh, antlers for chewing. Like real deer antlers. Right. Okay. And we did have two cases through the years where the antler, part of it got caught in the stomach and they couldn't pass it. Oh. I I guess I don't know why I thought that would maybe break up because it's, uh, you know, organic material. Uh, it's not, you know, a plastic you'd expect, you know, yep. that's not going to yep. break up. But maybe because it's still really hard. I guess I shouldn't have. It's almost like a bone. Right, or maybe it was jagged enough that there was yeah. just no way it was going to be passed, or the dog just continued to vomit, or maybe not eating, and so it wasn't worth giving it time to pass on on its own. But mm-hmm. after you bring that up, and, and that, in fact, I'll make a couple. My homework will be I'll just offer other things that have, through the years. I'll just kind of make a list you, that you've thought, yeah, especially around the holidays. That's kind of a nice present to to have. So you worry when your dog vomits. Oh my God, it right. swallowed something right. during the hectic holiday season. 
Uh, well, I know you brought in a story, and that's where I was getting to it. I was getting to it. Don't worry. Uh, well, you so. know, Connor, I never just tell a joke or a story. There's always a reason for this, a meaning to the story. And it turns out that uh, a husband and wife brought their dog in for vomiting. The pet was not eating very well, and they could see something in the stomach. It seemed like a cloth of some sort, but they couldn't really tell for sure. And so they agreed to have surgery done. And surgery was completed. The dog did fine, waking up with no issue. But the veterinarian did find some underwear in the stomach. And he first showed it to the husband, and it turns out it was not the wife's underwear. It was the lover's underwear. (laughs) Apparently the lover was much smaller in stature than the wife. Mm. So he knew by looking at the underwear that it was kind of a secret. And so the husband was trying to bribe the veterinarian, please don't tell my wife what's going on. But, of course, she just spent $2,000 on her dog's surgery. She wants She's to know what's She's going to want to know what's going yeah, on. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that was the end of the story. But, <laughs> you know, again, there's always a point to my story is I just suggest that if you're with your lover, make sure all the clothes are picked up or go to the lover's house where there are no pets and carry on then so yeah, I think just be careful the, uh, you gotta be you gotta be careful when doing those kind of things but i, I would like to, i do have the veterinarian's name this article is well, probably 18 years old but i would like to have talked to the veterinarian to kind of see how they handle that situation i'd like to know did, did you think he take took the money uh you know with the bribe uh, does that breach any ethical i think uh, just being another male obligations yeah i, I yeah it it it's one of those, you know, certain things you don't learn in school. And yeah. That, and that's one of them. How to handle situations like this and where's the line between bribery and uh, you just got to help your fellow guy or something like that. <laughs> Helping them out. Uh, all right. We'll take our first break here. Animal Talk on the Big 550. I'm Connor McCarthy with Dr. Dan Lang. Back on the normal time, 2 p.m. start. Uh, last week we were on late. This week we're back to the normal time. And we'll be back again after this break answering any questions you might have on the phones or the text line. This is Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS. Tis the season to celebrate, including the eight-day Festival of Light celebration. I love Hanukkah because it really is about the light and bringing light where there has been darkness. And it is a celebration of always Tikkun Alam, which is about fighting for justice, and it's about rededication. Happy Hanukkah from the Big 550 KTRS. Neighbors Credit Union is the home to the smart account. It's also home to great CD rates, 5.30% APY for 15 months, or about 4.75% APY for seven month CDs. At Neighbors Credit Union, your CDs are safe, secure, and insured, up to $500,000 per individual member. NeighborsCU.org, stop by one of their eight locations and open up a great CD. Neighbors Credit Union. Federally insured by NCUA, additional insurance by ESI. Looking to celebrate New Year's Eve at the beautiful Lake of the Ozarks? Head to the newly renovated Camden-on-the-Lake Resort and Spa. Dine on a four-course meal, party with the band Five Turn Knot, and take the elevator home after the clock strikes midnight and you ring in 2024. Select from one of four exclusive packages to stay where the party is. 
To reserve your space for the Camden-on-the-Lake New Year's getaway, call 573-365-5620 or visit camdenonthelake.com. We are here with the man, Ryan Raphael. He's the Medicare man of St. Louis. Ryan, one of the biggest misconceptions about Medicare when people reach the age of 65 is if they don't sign up at age 65, they get penalized. So really what happens is, is when people are approaching 65, they get all the literature and things coming at them that looks like they have to do something. If somebody is working, they really do not have to sign up for Medicare as long as they're part of an employer of 20 or more employees and they can take it out down the road and not pay penalties. So if you're over the age of 65 and you have not signed up for Medicare, there's no penalty. There's no reason why you can't do it at age 65, 66, or 67 that or 70. That is correct. Yep. That is Ryan Raphael. If you're approaching 65 and you have questions about Medicare, he is the man. The Medicare man, STL.com, 314-368-6808. Ryan Raphael. And if you don't trust me, trust my nanny. My nanny says he's the best. Ryan Raphael, the Medicare man, MedicareManSTL.com. Hey, KTRS listeners, Roger Wiginton here at Don Rogers Limited, 727 West Main in Belleville. We're heading into the holiday season, and to help out all of our wonderful customers all through the month of December, we're running our holiday inflation buster sale. We want to help you out. We want to help your pocketbooks out. We want to get you into Don Rogers and check out our incredible selection of men's and women's apparel. We're going to run the sale all through the month of December. And you know what? Why fight the malls to hassle? No help. Park at the door, walk in, get waited on. You're going to get great service you're going to see a great selection of updated men's and women's apparel and you're going to save money at the same time whether you're shopping for yourself or shopping for someone else now's the time to come in take advantage of this great sale at don rogers limited don't forget we're open tuesday through saturday 9 30 to 4 park at the door walk in get waited on you're going to get great service and a great discount and as always we thank you for listening to our commercial Let's get back to information about dogs, cats, even furry hamsters or gerbils. This is Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS, the Animal Talk of St. Louis. Welcome back to Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS with Dr. Dan Lang with me. I'm Connor McCarthy talking all things dogs, cats, and pets in general. If you want to call in, 314-931-5877 is the text line. That's 931-KTRS. Or the text line is 84126 if you want to text in any questions there. If you want to get a hold of Dr. Lang, uh, maybe off the air, maybe you have something you don't want to talk about on the radio, uh, you can email him, dlang71 at outlook.com. So that's a way to get a hold of him. Now, Dr. Lang, do you remember a few weeks ago when I brought up the goldfish and the origin of the goldfish and why they are pets and how it was a government program to get people to to start having goldfish because they wanted to sell goldfish? Um, Well, I saw a story uh, the other day about how large wild goldfish, you know, they they can get very big. You know, the little thing in the bowl is a juvenile goldfish that dies before it can reach its size, these these two-foot-long goldfish are flooding the Great Lakes, and it's become a problem because they're an invasive species. So I thought that was interesting that, you know, these little goldfish, they can get big, they can get up there in size, and they're actually quite quite a problem, actually. Um, 
So that's the next time, something to think about the next time you just dump the goldfish uh, in a random river or lake or pond or down the uh, down the toilet. You got to think about you got to think about it. Although I don't you think, think the consequences, but most time they just panic or don't know what else to do with it. I, I've had people or read stories where people have alligators or snakes, and of course <laughs> they didn't realize the size the mm-hmm. animals were going to get. Yeah, and then they do take it to the local pond or. Uh, swamp or whatever, and often in uh, some cases it does become very invasive because it will be able to take care of the other competitors in the water and right. does cause some problems with the ecology. Uh, they said they get too big actually for the predators. Uh, they're just too big to oh. actually eat. They're just uh, too 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 big. Uh, did we talk about a few weeks, uh, maybe this was actually a couple of months ago now, uh, the man in Pennsylvania who has the pet alligator an emotional support alligator. Did we did we talk about this? I think we briefly talked about it. it. Reminded, yep. You brought up the alligators again, and it reminded me of this. As a vet, do you think that that alligator is, you know, is it trained? Does it know the person? These are reptiles, and I know you don't deal with them as much, but I, it, I guess this goes for all reptiles out there. If you have lizards or, you know, turtles or what have you, uh, do they, are they, they're not domesticated, but do they know what's going on? Do they like you as the person who brings them food at the very least? Well, they're like me because they're attracted to the pet owner because the pet owner has okay, food. Sure. I think that's kind of the extent of it. But as a support animal, uh, a little suspicious. A little suspicious. How far that will go. He, you got to check it out if you haven't. It's on. I will do that. I it's on it uh, Instagram, uh, various social media sites. Uh, he brings it places. He, you know. He's walking around. He's on a leash, uh, or I guess more of a harness than a leash. Uh, and uh, he people will pick him up and hold him, strangers. He brings them places. They want to pick him up. They want to give him a hug. And he just kind of sits there and lets it happen. I don't know. Is this like one of those cases where, you know, like a docile anaconda or whatever, where, you know, it's a it, uh, kind of a genetic defect that they don't actually want to strangle you? I remember when I was a kid. Uh, we had a assembly, and uh, the people came in with this big snake, and it, they said it's docile. You know, you can hold it; it doesn't want to kill you. So, is that does that happen with this? Uh, to your knowledge? Well, I would think with the bull constrictor or something of that sort, if they're fed well enough, if you give them a rat a week or something like that, they're, pre- no, they're probably just, less they're likely. just not even interested. Right, right. Okay. They, you fulfilled one of their needs, <laughs> and if the alligator was young enough and got socialized being around a lot of other people again it probably yeah. wouldn't think twice twice about it so as we talked before on socialization for dogs and cats how important that can be even for a wild yeah animal even, even for an alligator yep. uh these exotic pets do you, they're more and more common now do you ever did you ever have someone call up and say hey i've got a monkey can i bring this into the uh the animal hospital or uh do you do you take uh will you see a <laughs> tiger cub or you know whatever or has that ever in your experience happened? it's it's pretty minimal most time there are a couple of very good exotic and veterinary specialists in the area and like the monkey i would um refer that to the to okay. that particular specialist they do carry a virus i don't know how frequent but the the virus is they're carriers of it but it's fatal for humans so oh. I have enough problems. I don't. So need, that's uh, why um, you wouldn't maybe. That was my excuse. That's it's why you wouldn't see it. Because I wasn't comfortable handling that. And I remember just before my days of practicing regularly, I had a lynx come in, oh. and it had a which is like a big house cat or like a small. 
cougar or what? Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's something of that. Uh, yeah. I was trying to think of an analogy for other animals. And when I saw Young, the the he wanted to have the pet neutered, and I thought, mm, I don't know on this, but you know, it turns out it's the same as a cat that we deal with all the time. Well, then it turned out three months later, and it was maybe ten weeks at the time. Three months later, it came in because it was limping on a leg, and we couldn't handle it at all. We had to knock it out to take an X-ray. I mean, it just, mm, just in this case, it's just too big and too wild that it just uh, you know wasn't the same as it got got older. That the instincts of a wild animal came more in at this particular point. So was this that the last time you you took a lynx in to to, to see? One time was enough. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, they say, uh, or I guess I hear, I don't know what they say, uh, that cats, you know, big or small, meaning uh, house cats or like t- tigers and yep. lions are very similar animals. Uh, yes. And I guess the lynx being uh, kind of the same thing. Yep. Uh, it was. Actually, I don't know if I said it, but we spayed it, actually, nothing more I'm talking about it. So I was concerned going into the abdomen or the ovaries and uterus all going to be the same. But And it was? Again, it's just the same as the okay. cats that we deal with all the time. So, yes, I agree 100% with you that the basic anatomy is, is pretty much the same. That's so why I, I, think, I think you could take on, uh, you know, a tiger if it got brought in, right? Uh, I would have somebody else anesthetize it, and then i do if surgery. It was, yes, yeah, yeah. If it was sedated yeah. already, yeah. then yeah. sure, you can do I anything. I just take care of the surgical part. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of cats, I saw something here that uh, stuck out to me because it reminded me of the way you said uh, vets now kind of like to deal with animals to make them comfortable. And it was a method to trimming their claws. First of all, I wanted to ask, do they do the claws need to be trimmed on a cat? And if so, how often? If you have scratching posts and they use them, I think most of the time the cat will kind of keep their nails trim enough you don't have that sharp point but again there are some people that have skin issues or they bleed with just a slight trauma and so it is important to trim the tips of the nails for those people or people that don't just like to scratch or in the good old days when they had water beds and that type mm-hmm. of thing and as you're kind of alluding a lot of times if you get some cheese spray cheese you know paste it on the wall often they'll be looking at it and mm-hmm. they're distracted enough that you can go ahead and do it without much stress that, that is certainly one way to do so, it I, that's kind of so it's more of a pro if you have a problem with the claws is there no length where they'll you know start to become a problem for the cat themselves maybe if they don't scratch i don't think so i whether it's on mm-hmm. the furniture or something that's not ex- agreeable to the human i think they do do enough scratching that they keep them worn they down keep, pretty much on their own mm-hmm. As opposed to the thumb or do claw on a on a dog. Okay. Uh, well, they, here is a method if you do want to trim them, if you do want to go through it. And I imagine the cat, this this method has come about mainly because cats do not like to have their nails uh, or claws trimmed, Dr. Lang. Uh, in your right. experience, yes. cats don't really like to have you do anything to them, <laughs> right? So it's all well about said. what the cat wants to do. And what stuck out to me was they said they like to kind of grab the leg then the paw, and then kind of go to the claw, you know, and then trim and kind of go step by step and go on the cat's pace and, you know, kind of get them acquainted to what's going to happen, and then they do it. Um, Now, I mean, to to me, that sounded like, I I don't know, I'm forgetting the term for it, forgive me, but you said, you know, when you touch the cat or the animal to get them more comfortable for when you have to give them a shot, right? Um, What is that called? You mean just the the distraction type? type thing yeah you said didn't you say that you kind of you know distract them or you touch them you kind of get them ready for what's about to happen and then you do it 
Well, are you talking like anesthetize, sedate him a little bit with the pill? Is that? I I don't know. I okay. I, 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 I thought this was your... some method yep. where you said you know you, you, in, you know, back in the old days you would just do it. This time nowadays you kind of get them used to what's going to happen and then you do it. Uh, this was a method apparently developed by a vet that said the cats are more comfortable when you kind of get them used to what's going to happen, and you go on their pace. Uh, so. I think it's worth doing. I I haven't really tried that myself. A lot of times, if I have a cat come in and we have to handle the foot or leg, we just throw a towel over their head, and mm-hmm. often that is enough. If they can't see if it, they can't see it. Often they're good enough to let you be messed around, or we'll have a towel warmer and we'll throw a warm towel on the exam table, and usually they mm-hmm. just kind of burrow under it, and they're they're fine. But I think if you get a cat used to being handled, they're less upset if you handle the upper part of the leg or arm first but i just feel like my cynicism is a couple of times you start touching them a little bit as you go down then eventually even before you get to the foot their threshold may run out they might know they might know what's going to happen yeah but yeah. It, it's it's worth worth doing but i you know because i like to eat i just think the food kind of have just seriously dis- just distract is the, them is this the best way if other male or female cat dog whatever you put food in front of them and it takes a little while i'm not talking a chunk of food where they can just swallow i'm talking something where they have to kind of work at it that often that is enough being distracted and especially if the animal comes in hungry you know people just feed the animal right before they come in and they're probably going to not be excited but if they haven't eaten for eight or ten hours that yeah, cheese looks maybe, awful darn maybe good. hold maybe hold off on the uh bowl of food until yep. after the vet yeah uh, because they're gonna you're gonna be more enticed by that chunk of cheese um all right i was well, I was going to take a break here, but the the question I think we got time for this. Uh, you know, I always have to ask you my questions as well, Doctor Lang, for things in my life. And I had uh, someone ask me. They have a cat. They said um, it's an older cat, if that matters, but not. Uh, I don't know. It, not not extremely old. They said they woke up in the morning. Uh, you know, the cat's acting a little strange. It's not eating. It's uh, you know, drooling, uh, it seems to be sick. They bring it into the vet. The vet comes back and says, well, we think there's a problem with her teeth. There's four teeth that we see that are problems. Uh, you know, they're maybe they're decayed or, you know, we, you know, we might need to pull them. I don't know how bad they were. They said we got four problems with the teeth, and that can cause, uh, you know, illness-type things like that. Their question to me to ask you was, you know, the teeth don't just go bad one day. You know, the night before, apparently the cat was acting fine. In the morning, the cat was acting strange. You know, is that really how fast it can shift with the teeth, if that was the cause of it? Or, you know, is that is there something else at play there? I think initially, you know, maybe there are just one or two teeth, and the cat could tolerate that. But I would think there may have been the fourth tooth, so to speak, may have happened fairly quickly, and it just went over the threshold or what the cat could tolerate. Or just, you know, maybe it just chewed on something. It's like people with dentures, you chew on a corn cob or something hard, and all of a sudden the dentures slip. And maybe that was enough to put the tooth loose enough or painful enough. But I I get that history quite often, so Mm -hmm. not sure I can give them an exact answer why that is. But I I think that the the doctor is probably right on with the drooling. There's something in the mouth, and most likely with a middle-aged or older pet, a cat in this case, that um, we see a lot of periodontal disease where they get infection of the gums, and that usually more is the problem than in cavities. Mm-hmm. So now they said they gave him something, some kind of pill. I don't know if that's antibacterial or what, not to uh, 
they said to make him feel better, um, and they said they were going to talk about pulling the teeth. Is that just the response there? You know, you pull the problem teeth, boom, boom, the problem should go away on its own. Yeah, I would just start. We usually start on antibiotics, have them come back in a couple days, anesthetize them, and of course you can get pain medicine before as well. And then we just take a good look. Most time we just remove the, the teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can do other things with it, but uh, for the most part, we just go ahead and extract because uh, right now the dog, the cat's chewing, and every time it chews a little bit, the teeth become more loose and painful, and mm-hmm. so it's just easier to just go ahead and just Now, that is a them. tooth problem. Is that something a regular vet can handle, or is that something a, you know, a dental specialist is going to have to handle? If, uh, if there are a few general practitioners I know that do uh, root canals, but in general, I would refer it to a veterinary dentist. Okay. But usually most of us... If the pet was sedated, then I would go ahead and have the teeth cleaned. And, again, we get under the gums to get all that gunk that builds up mm-hmm. as well as remove the bad teeth. But most general practitioners like myself, we will clean the teeth and extract the loose ones. And usually 8 out of 10 times, 9 out of 10 times, that's all the pet needs. That's so we can it handle it. Okay. So I would definitely go to your local veterinarian if we think it's a tooth problem or if it needs to be treated. They should be able yeah. to take care of it. Well, I think they're listening now, but if not, I'll go back with this uh, with them. Uh, they just seemed, you know, they couldn't believe it. You know, uh, you know. Well, I knew one of their teeth was bad, but you know, why would it overnight go from fine and they're eating their dinner to, you know, they're acting sick and they won't eat their breakfast? Uh, and I kind of thought the same thing. You know, how can one tooth go? It doesn't, yep. you know. But you know, if it's the straw that breaks the camel's back, or maybe they, way putting it. they bite on something wrong and it sets it off. You know, I think. That that makes a lot of sense. So we'll take our last break here, and we'll talk on the Big 550 KTRS with Dr. Dan Lang. I'm Connor McCarthy. Neighbors Credit Union is the home to the smart account. It's also home to great CD rates, 5.30% APY for 15 months, or about 4.75% APY for seven-month CDs. At Neighbors Credit Union, your CDs are safe, secure, and insured, up to $500,000 per individual member. NeighborsCU.org, stop by one of their eight locations and open up a great CD. Neighbors Credit Union. Federally insured by NCUA, additional insurance by ESI. Where is a great time to work on your trees? Hi, I'm Steve with River City Tree Service, your go-to tree service since 2008. Whether you want to trim your trees, need some deadwooding, or you want a tree removed in the stump ground, choose the ISA certified arborist at River City Tree Service in Baldwin. Right now, we're offering a winter special that will save you a lot of money. Call 314-270-8071. That's 314-270-8071. River City Tree Service. Global Digital Consultancy Proficient is growing fast and giving back to their hometown St. Louis bigger than ever before. Join Proficient this holiday season as they partner with KTRS at Proficient's Light Up Glennon events to bring song, light, and joy to the brave and inspiring patients in Cardinal Glennon's care. Join us on the evening of December 18th and light up the night and your spirit with Proficient, KTRS, and some incredible kids. Boy, the heat and the humidity of the summer is gone. We can open up the windows and enjoy some of that fresh air. Oh, wait a minute. You can't open up your window? It hasn't been opened up since the Reagan administration? Time for you to get new windows and maybe some new doors. Where do you get windows and doors? Well, you go to the store to get them, the window store. That's right, the window store, WS Window and Door. They've been around a long time. Larry Thorne, the owner, he's trying to retire. 
but he keeps selling windows. Now, they don't really sell windows. All they do at the window stores, they give you a bid. That's it. That's all they do. And then they'll let their bid do their talking. Every window and door is energy efficient. There is no upselling. There is no marketing, buy one, get 73, or take 900% off. No, no, no. The window store is a great St. Louis company with great St. Louis people, and all they want to do is give you a bid, and they'll let their bid do their talking for you. So open up that door, open up that window, make the phone call, 314-739-0002 or wswindow.net. This Jennifer and Wendy announcement is brought to you by BetterHelp. I'm Jennifer Blome. And I'm Wendy Weiss. In our family, the holidays are a magical time because of grandchildren watching them open presents, taking us all back to our own childhoods. The holidays are also a time to give yourself a little love, a day of rest, some time to yourself perhaps, or a decision to learn how to navigate life with some positive coping skills. If you've been thinking about starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need. Better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash JNW today and you'll get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash JNW. Animal Talk returns on the Big 550 KTRS. Here's Dr. Dan Lang. Welcome back to Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS with Dr. Dan Lang. I'm Connor McCarthy, and we do have a little bit of a sad update, actually, for you here. Uh, I think at one point we did give you the story about the oldest dog in the world, 31 years old, and he recently passed away. So, uh, Dr. Lang, do you have more on that? That's pretty much it. It's been confirmed by Guinness of the age, and we've all been a little cynical on that. But they claim that the dog was certified in February of this year of being that age. And its birth date was May 11th, 1992. Wow. And he just was, um, oh, that, the thing that got, got me giggling a little bit is that uh, the reason for its long life was that it only ate human food. Oh, they sure. fed themselves, and the dog got the remainders. It never had dog food, right? So please disavow everything I so said about nutrition. So everything you ever say about <laughs> nutrition and needing to eat right—that uh, all goes out the window. That's like the uh, you know the hundred-year-old person that says they smoke a cigarette yep. every day. You're uh, exactly you right. Know, it's one of the they got lucky, and you know, thirty-one years old. I'm he. That dog lived a great life. Jonathan, right? Wasn't it uh, the dog? Uh, he lived a good life. Thirty-one years old. Uh, I'm not sure. I've ever seen a dog with a longer life than that. Uh, I'm not sure if you have either, Dr. Lane. I have not. I, <laughs> I'm not sure I've seen many 20-year-old dogs. That's why I get well, know, kind of questioned. You page. know, it's a, it's a good life if you get that far. So, uh, you know. He can have whatever he wants. He can have whatever he wants. But it looks like from day one that he had whatever he wanted. <laughs> sure, yeah. So, the, you know, good good for him. He and had. maybe he didn't get stressed out. You know how our pets worry when is my next meal coming from yeah, yeah. and he probably had it available most of the time and so they say a stress-free life you leads to a longer what yeah right. longer so, living so so I, I just suggest people please just feed table food at all times to your pet 
I just tease I mean, on that. It would lower stress, right? But in seriousness, it is it's unhealthy, right? It's you know from a nutritional standpoint to do that. Uh, better to just give the dog food, right? Um, That's, although yeah. some of these services you see commercials for them, uh, you know, talking about the the fancy this fancy dog food. I mean, I don't really know what the difference is from dog food and people food if you, if they're eating, you know, organic, uh, you know, natural raised chicken and beef right. and you know, in a gravy. Uh, you know, I don't think I don't know if I would like it. But it does seem to be they are eating at least as good a food as I am. Uh, well, my cynicism is that the humans are the ones that buy the food, and if they can get a food that looks palatable mm, to them, to them, to the humans, oh, it must be good for the dog. Or we treat our dogs like ourselves. You know, let's get something similar to the human food. Yeah. So I, I think part of it is just presentation. But again, I call it a boutique company, and I just have not had enough research on many of them of how nutrition it is. You know, you can have any food that looks good, but does it provide all the nutrient requirements? And I just haven't seen the studies, so take Uh, it for what it's worth. How about, you know, I've always wondered, do do dogs get tired of the food they eat? Is that (laughs) something we should switch up just for their, you know, I'm not saying go and give them human food, but, you know, all right, he's eating the chicken flavor. Let's get him the beef flavor this time just to mix it up. Uh, Or do they just get sick when they switch up foods? That's what I've seen, too. I mean, do they just not get tired of what they eat? Is that that only a human thing? Well, in the wild, I don't know if this is a fair example, most cats will eat mice or rats, and that's pretty much their diet. Yeah, it's always mice and rats. Right, pretty much the same. And, I, I, you know, again, we treat our pets like ourselves. Who of us would want to eat the same food every day? But I, I don't think the animals get tired of it. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't seem to when you yeah. pour it out there. If you get hungry enough, you'll they're, eat they're it. Getting, uh, they're going in with a lot of uh, interest in the food, even though it's the same thing they've had for years and years. Uh, yep. You know, I think yep. I'd, I think I'd get tired of it, but uh, clearly they do not. All right, I don't think I've asked in the last few weeks, uh, but uh, is there any update on on the book progress? As usual, just kind of plugging along. I've been doing a lot of research on vaccinations because it's very controversial mm-hmm. and trying to get the pros and the cons. Because some vaccinations, especially to cats, can cause what we call sarcomas or a very bad cancer. Oh. It's very, very low percentage. But, again, when people hear one bad incident, oh, never going to vaccinate my pet again. But to me, in a nutshell, the benefits of vaccinations are much, much more than the the side effects Mm -hmm. potentially that happen. And my analogy, and we get complacent. You know, our animals, for the most part, don't get sick from distemper. We hardly ever see a rabies in the United States. And people get complacent. Why bother? We don't see the incident. Mm -hmm. But if enough people stop, then we don't get that herd immunity. Or if one animal gets sick, then a bunch of animals get sick. So it's it's get to be kind of a vicious cycle. Yeah, it's something you hit on a lot, and uh, it makes sense to me. You you gotta gotta get the shots for them better than them getting the thing that the shot is supposed to prevent, right? Well, Uh, my my story is that when I was going through all this, I think Lister was the I don't know if he was a doctor or research. But back in the uh, late 1700s or early 1800s, there was a a kid that got bit by a a dog that was rabid, and they didn't have vaccinations at the time. And so what this researcher did is he took brain and spinal tissue and mixed it all together, dried it up, and I don't know how they gave it. They gave it intravenously. I'm going blank on that part of it. But anyway... uh, Usually within 10 to 15 days, the person dies once they get bit mm-hmm. with the virus. And he he didn't oh. have any signs at all wow. that, that the doctor had stimulated the immune system 
it was able to fight off the so virus. So that was, that was the early research. Right. And can you imagine what people were thinking? Oh, my gosh, vaccinate. This is a miracle. Right. right. But nowadays, again, we just ex- we just take it for granted. A little bit of taking it for granted. And I just think people are selfish that don't get their pets up to date, at least the basic vaccinations like rabies and distemper and that type mm-hmm. of thing. But anyway, that's what I've been working on. That's what been you've been working on, and we'll hear more about it. I'm sure we'll talk more about vaccines because that's a, it's a common topic that comes up. Clearly, it's a thing a lot of people like to talk about. All right, this has been Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS with Dr. Dan Lang. I'm Connor McCarthy. Back in the normal time slot, and I believe we're back in the normal time slot again next week, Dr. Lang. So join us then at 2 o'clock for Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS. Bye, everybody.